Shabbat Shalom. I took a year off in the middle of rabbinical school to learn at uh, Pardes, a yeshiva in Israel. And one, we had a chavruta, a study partner. We learned together every day, multiple hours a day for months on end. And at one point, sort of in the middle of the year, my chavruta and I kind of hit a slump. We, we noticed that you know, our learning wasn't going as well. We were spending a little bit more time schmoozing about the other people in the Beit Midrash and a little less time talking about the Torah and the text itself. And we weren't covering all the material that our teacher was asking us to do. And so we, you know, did what any good yeshiva booker would do. And we asked our rabbi, the teacher, you know, we're having some trouble. What should we do? And he kind of put his best Hasidic Rebbe face on. Um, this is Rabbi Levi Cooper, so he's got a good Hasidic Rebbe face. And he thought for a while and he said, I want the two of you to come in tomorrow wearing suits and ties. And our first thought was, who has suits and ties in Israel? But we managed to sort of borrow from a bunch of different people. This person had a jacket, this person had a tie. And we, we, we did it. We showed up the next day wearing our suits and ties in the Beit Midrash, and we were on task the whole time. Our learning got better, and we thought, well, uh-oh, now we have to do this every day. And so we were the guys in ties for quite some time in the Beit Midrash because that wearing that suit, whatever it was, the added formality, the, the, the intentionality, it made us take our learning more seriously. And the rabbis have known this for years, millennia. Right? The rabbis actually say that Torah scholars, not only should Torah scholars dress nicely, but a Torah scholar who shows up with a stain on their clothes is chayav mitah, is liable for the death penalty. Yeah, that's some high-stakes laundry that is going on for the rabbis. But the reason for this, when the Talmud says like, that, that you're supposed to be chayav mitah, liable for the death penalty, so our commentaries, rightfully so, rabbis themselves kind of investigate this, and Rashi says that the reason why someone, a Torah scholar, is stained clothes is liable for the death penalty is because they have not properly guarded the honor of the Torah and God. If they show up wearing stained clothes, this goes in this sort of uh, school field trip school of thought, right? It, when we went on field trips for camp or school and they said, remember, Right When you leave this camp, you are representing Barrack Academy when, when you've got your Barrack shirt on and whatever, you're looking right over here, Sharon. Right, that it, it goes, right. So if you are a Torah scholar and you're wearing these like schlumpy clothes, you're saying that the Torah must be schlumpy itself and you're denigrating the honor of God in the Torah, which is where this chayav mitah comes from. Now, a later scholar, the Ben Ishchai, softens it just a little bit. And he says, no, 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 no. It's not that the fact that you've got mustard on your shirt means you're going to be liable for the death penalty. It's that if a Torah scholar is not careful in their clothing, it indicates a greater character flaw that they won't be careful with their teaching or their learning, and they might come to make an infraction which would be make them liable for the death penalty. So it's not, the, it's not that the stain itself 
is bad. It's what the stain indicates. Now, whichever you prefer, the idea that our clothing is important because it reflects some sort of inner truth or because it reflects some higher meaning or how we're taking something, the idea has merit. And it's something that we take even outside of our religious context as well. Something I know very little about, but I read an article about fashion once. And the New York Times Magazine a few weeks ago had a great article about the change in high fashion over the course of the last few years. Anyone see this? So, it, so years in 2018-2019, everyone was dressed to impress at an event. Clothing was made so that it was, first of all, it was tight and it looked good when you were sitting at dinner or when you were standing at a gala or something. That was the idea of what clothing should look like. And then over the course of the pandemic, fashion got baggier and comfier. Right? Everybody, no one was wearing tight clothes for an event. No one was going to events. No one was needed any of that. And so fashion accommodated. And what, what became cool was big, giant, overstuffed sweatshirts or comfy things. At least that's what I tell myself is cool, right? That's what's cool. But it became baggy and comfy. And the article was saying that now, this year, fashion is starting to go couture again. But what they were saying is it's built to move. The cool fashion right now is made for stuff that will look good while you're walking. Because we're still not really going out and sitting at dinners together so much, but we might, you know, be out and about and want to look good. And so that fashion has moved to accommodate as well. The clothing that we wear serves a function not only in who we are, but in what we want to be doing and what we want to purport as our best and most ideal selves. And we saw that in the Parsha today, because we read about the garments that the high priest is going to wear. And we read about all of the intention and detail that goes into the garments of the high priest, its specific thread. It has to be tailored to the priest. It has to be exactly the right thing. And it, the Torah uncharacteristically actually tells us why. The Torah says that you have to make these big day kodesh for the high priest for his kavod, his honor, his dignity, and his tiferet, his adornment or his beauty. So what does it mean that the high priest has to have clothing that befits of honor and beauty? Well, Ibn Ezra tells us that the clothes are meant to glorify. The kavod is for the wearer. Right? We all know who the high priest is because the high priest is covered in gold and jewels. And it's for the honor of the high priest that we do all of this. Unsurprisingly, another rabbi says the opposite. Sforno says, no, it's not about the honor and glory of the priest. Of course, the high priest is the closest person to God on the planet. So the high priest wears all these fancy clothes to honor God. Right. Always the right answer when a rabbi asks a question. And a much later rabbi, Rabbi Louis Jacobs, says, actually... The whole point of this is that it's tailored to fit. And that the priest's garments are meant to fit the priest exactly. They gain a little weight, you let it out. They, they get a Peloton, you take it in. The idea is that it has to fit the priest precisely. So too, Louis Jacob says, all of our religious expressions have to fit us exactly. 
And it's going to be different for everyone in the room, but it has to fit. And Louis Jacobs has a nice point. He says, that's a little bit aspirational, right? To buy a tailored shirt is to presume that, you know, you're going to be able to fit into that thing for a while, right? There's some aspiration to it, but there's also a bit of comfort. It fits you exactly as you are in this moment. And so the garments of the priest are meant to inspire others and the priests themselves. They're meant to focus the priest on what they're doing, and they're meant to make all of us feel like we can be closer to God or for God's honor and God's glory. These priestly garments, these big day kodesh, are something that is meant to guide and inspire. So then what do we do with the holiday that we're about to celebrate in which our clothes are meant to do the exact opposite? Because we're going to come in two days, we're going to celebrate Purim. Right? Purim is a holiday of frivolity. It's a holiday of costumes. We wear masks and weird clothes, and we've been doing it for a few hundred years. Basically, we stole it probably from the Italian Christians. We thought that the masks and masquerades for Lent was really cool, and so we took it. Uh, and so at the end of the 15th century, that's when costumes start to show up in the celebration of Purim. And for the Christians in Italy, the costumes are meant to disguise everyone while they're breaking the rules. Right? The idea is if you're going to go against what the church wants you to do, you should probably mask up uh, before you do it. Not this part of mask, but this kind of mask, right? So that no one knows who you are. And for Jews, it takes on a similar role. Moshe Israelis tells us that we can wear masks and costumes on Purim if it's for the sake of joy if it's for the sake of the holiday, even so much that we go against the rabbinic uh, and perhaps biblical injunction against men and women wearing garments meant for the other gender, and that one can wear uh, clothing of whatever kind one wants on Purim for the joy of the holiday. So what's this joy of the holiday going to be? So as we dress in costumes, is it meant to be just total chaos, joy, pandemonium, you know, everyone wear whatever you want, everyone dresses different things. Is it just, uh, well, what someone um, uh, called it yesterday when I was talking about this, uh, Halloween four months too late? Is that what we're supposed to do here? Maybe. Robbers in the Talmud have a different idea because the costumes also come from this idea that the Talmud says of Hester Panim, where Esther's name comes from, that we're meant to reveal that which is the inside on Purim. And so costumes on Purim are actually one of the deepest, darkest, most holy things that we do on this holiday or perhaps any holiday. 364 days a year, our clothing must be tailor-fit to who we are. It represents our aspirations. It represents what we're going to do in the world, who we are, our professions, our jobs. And on Purim, we get to do something completely different. We get to dress as whatever we want. And the rabbis say, don't waste that opportunity. Dress as something that you want to experience or explore. Dress as something that's meaningful to you. By the way, two most popular costumes in Israel for Purim. Anyone want to guess? The two for, for, I should say, specifically for modern Orthodox men. Let's go with that. For secular men or for modern Orthodox men, two most popular costumes in Israel. This is completely anecdotal. I know I have no survey data on this. Anyone want to guess? Santa Claus? 
<laughs> no, but I know what I'm wearing tomorrow. Okay, no, what? No, so sport, no, no, not sports. You good guess? So, okay, close. A woman, right? Right. A woman is one. What? Right. Any woman. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there are lots of Gal Gadot impersonators uh, showing up. So it's it's a woman or a chassid, right? You. Everybody in Israel, all the modern Orthodox men are running around with the bekishes and the strimals and the right everything, because if you're living in Israel. Right? If you're a man living in Israel, those two identities seem perhaps the most foreign and the most alluring. And so on Purim, it's an excuse to wear this, I shouldn't say it's very recorded ridiculous, but wear this garb that you see everywhere but don't get a chance to put on. Because if you do it on, you know, Rosh Chodesh Adar, you're making a statement. If you do it on Purim, everybody gets to wear whatever they want. So the rabbis ask us in this moment, for our costuming to be something that is hidden or revealed about ourselves, or to be something in which we are revealing a little bit, right? The, the, the way we get costumes from Esther, according to the Gemara, is the idea that Esther had hidden who she was and only revealed that her, she was Jewish at the right time to save us all. So, friends, if the sacred garments and the stainless shirts of the Torah scholars are meant to wrap us in intention and honor and glory. They push us to be our best selves, best selves. Then the costumes of Purim push us to be our hidden selves, push us to try on clothes we don't normally wear, literally and figuratively, to explore some of that, because again, we might find something that we want to take later in our lives and reveal a little bit of that as we go. We explore ourselves so that we can be better in the weeks and years to come. The identities that we want to explore are the identities that we want to know something about for ourselves. So our job as we come into Purim, or Purim or not, is to take a second and think about what we would want to dress as. What's something we've always wondered about? What is it like to be that person? Because in finding that, we might learn something about ourselves, and we might find a little empathy for the other at the same time. I can't wait to see everyone's costumes on Monday night. No pressure now. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>